Hi, and welcome to the Machine Ethics Podcast. This month, episode 51, recorded in early January, we're talking to Rob Miles, communicator of science, machine learning, computing, and AI alignment. We chat about why we would even want general artificial intelligence, general AI as narrow AI where its inputs is the world, making predictions that sound like science fiction, we elucidate terms like AI safety, the control problem, AI alignment, and the specification problem, the lack of people working in AI alignment, the fact that AGI doesn't need to be conscious, and how not to make a AGI. If you'd like to find more episodes like this, go to machine-ethics.net, or you can contact us at hello at machine-ethics.net. You can follow us on Twitter, machine underscore ethics, on Instagram, machine ethics podcast, and you can support the podcast on patreon.com forward slash machine ethics. Thanks again for listening and hope you enjoy. Hi, Rob. Uh, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Um, it's really great to have you. And if you could just give yourself a quick introduction, who you are and what do you do? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, my name is Rob Miles. I am, I guess, a science communicator, popularizer. I don't know. Um, I spend my time explaining AI safety and AI alignment on the internet, uh, mostly on YouTube. Um, I also now run a, a little podcast which is just an audio version of a newsletter run by Rohan Shah, the uh, alignment newsletter, which summarizes uh, the week's research in AI safety. Um, But most of my time is spent on the YouTube channel, which is aimed a bit more at the general public. Awesome. Thanks very much. Um, So the first question we have on the podcast generally is a quite open-ended one. Um, What is AI? What is AI? So I would say AI is, uh, it's a moving target. I think it's a, I, I have a video where I, where I talk about this question, actually. Um, I think it's like technology. If somebody says, I'm not good with technology, they're probably talking about, they're probably not talking about like a bicycle or a pair of scissors or something, right? These are all technology. Mm. But uh, once something really works reliably and becomes a deeply ingrained part of our life that we kind of don't think about, we stop calling it technology. We reserve technology as a word for like stuff that's kind of on the edge, stuff that uh, is still not actually very good, stuff that's not reliable, stuff that often breaks and we have to think about the fact that it's technology Mm. um, or stuff that we don't really understand very well yet. These are the things that get labeled generally speaking. So it's like mostly electronics at this point. Um, And I think AI is a bit like that as well. AI is things that computers can do that they didn't used to be able to do. Um, Like there was a time when, um, when like figuring out a good way to schedule the flights for your airline to make sure that all the pilots and planes got to where they needed to be logistically when that was like artificial intelligence, right? And, and we wouldn't call it that these days, I don't think, because it's, um, the technology is many decades old now and it works quite well. Um, but if you were to try and do that with a neural network, then we call that AI again because it's kind of buggy and unreliable and new. Um, so, yeah, I think I think... The origin of the term artificial intelligence is um, 
it's a bit like the difference also between a robot and a machine, right? A robot is a machine that's designed to do something that a person does. And once we stop thinking that this is a task for a person to do, we tend to stop calling things robots in the same way. Um, like, it's not like a robot um, crop harvesting. It's like, it's a combine harvester, it's just a machine at that point. And so, yeah, mm. I, think, I think AI is about getting computers to do things which we previously thought were the domain of uh, human minds. Yeah, like um, science education. Right, yeah, sure. <laughs> if you could get a computer to do that, that's for sure AI. Yep, exactly. Um, cool. So with that kind of foundation, um, somewhat, um, we have these kind of terms that we throw away. And I'm kind of trying to get to us to the point where we can talk about AI safety stuff. Okay. Um, so we have this idea that we have um, machine learning um, techniques and kind of old school AI, or like you're saying, like different techniques, which have become just part of our world now, essentially. Um and some of those things we kind of categorize as kind of simple AI or um, constrained AI or AI that is just good at one thing, right? Mm -hmm. And then we have this more broad idea about kind of general AI or super intelligence or these kind of um, artificial intelligences, which are maybe programs that can do more than one thing or can learn kind of a broad range of stuff that... Yeah. Um, they can do. So I guess the question is, why would we want that is, a, is an interesting question to answer before we then dive into kind of what can go wrong. So when we're talking about super intelligence, uh, general AI, why, why would we want to do this? Yeah. So, so yeah, there is this very important distinction between what I would call narrow AI and yeah. what I would call general AI. Um, although it's not really a distinction so much as a spectrum. Um, there's a question of how, how wide a range of domains can something um, act in. So like, yeah, you take something like um, Stockfish is a narrow AI. Its only domain is chess. All it can do is play chess. It plays it very well. Um, but then you could take something like um, AlphaZero, which is one algorithm that can be trained just as well to play chess or go or shogi and so that's more general right and then mm. and now there's mu zero which is even more general than that because it plays chess go shogi and also atari games to a superhuman standard so um so why do we want generality because there are a lot of tasks that we want done in the world which require generality like you, you could also think of a general uh, ai system as being an as being a narrow ai system whose domain of uh mastery is physical reality is the world um and it's a, that's just a very very complex domain and therefore that's like the, you know the broader the domain mm -hmm. the more general the system is um so so i have uh, i sometimes talk to people who say that AGI is impossible, and there's a sense in which that is actually true in that you, uh, perfect generality is not possible because that would have to work in every possible environment, and, uh, well, there's infinite possible environments. So, like, for example, one environment is a kind of maximum entropy environment where it's just complete chaos, there's no structure to the universe, and therefore you can't 
achieve anything because there's no correlation between the things you do and the outcomes that happen. Um, but if you consider only our universe, uh, it is very optimizable. It's very amenable to agency. It is actually, like, as far as we can tell, it probably runs on fairly straightforward mathematics. It's, pro it's probably fairly low complexity um, in, in the sense of, like, Kolmogorov complexity or something like that. Uh, it's quite structured, it's quite regular, it has causality, induction works quite well. So um, you don't actually need to create a fully general agent, you just need to create an agent which is able to act well in our universe, and that is general. Like, that's general mm -hmm. enough uh, for what we need, which is an agent that's going to do things in the real world. Um, the reason that we want that is because there are a lot of tasks that need that level of generality. If you want, um, if you want an agent to run your company, that just is, is like fundamentally a very broad thing to do. You need to be able to read and understand all ki different kinds of information. You need to be able to build detailed models of the world. You need to be able to think about human behavior and make predictions and like it would be pretty difficult to train something that was a really effective CEO, perhaps a superhuman CEO, without it also having all of the other capabilities that humans have. You would you would expect there's there, and there's a there's a chance that there's kind of a that there's kind of a threshold that gets mm. passed. I don't know if this is true, this is speculative, but like for example if you have a very simple programming language and you start adding features to it. You, past a certain point, you hit a point where your programming language is able to express any program that can be expressed in any programming language, right? You hit Turing completeness, that there's like, once you have a certain level of capability, you, you in principle have everything. Maybe not quickly, maybe not effectively, but like, um, you've created a general purpose programming language. And it's possible that you get a similar effect. I don't know if this is true, but that the easiest way to make something that can do almost everything is to just make something that can do everything. Right. Um, and and I guess the, the practical use of everything in that sense is that we have something that we can... Um, deep mind sort of way, we can, we can solve big problems, right? So we can, um, you know, solve... Uh, get rid of diseases we can cure aging right. we can you know avert disasters all this sort of thing right if you have very a very powerful system that's able to if you have a general intelligence that's able to act in the real world mm. then in principle you can set whatever types of goals you want and expect to get solutions to them if solutions you know exist or can be found and that's mm. kind of the that's kind of the end game right and and that's like i mean i want to say science fiction but that's what we're moving towards right that's what um people are trying to um research and and create uh, is this more generalized um uh, idea with this hopefully with this kind of really quite powerful idea behind it that we can solve or get answers for some of these problems yeah yeah it's a pretty utopian ideal mm. but the thing is yeah i want to address the science fiction thing because mm -hmm. it's something that i often uh, come up against, which is, I think, uh, 
I think I'm, I'm trying to like I'm trying to formally express what the mistake is, and I'm not I'm not going to. But I think I think it, it it's related to like confusing a implies b with b implies a possibly, which is to say, um, most predictions, most science fiction predictions about the future, um, don't come true. But nonetheless, every significant prediction about the future that has come true has sounded like science fiction because you're talking about technology that doesn't exist yet, mm. right? You're speculating about how things might be drastically different because of the effects of technology. That's going to sound like science fiction. And so the fact that it sounds like science fiction doesn't make it less likely to be true, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Like it would be convenient if you could evaluate the truth of a complex claim by categorizing it into a literary genre but it's not that easy. You have to actually think about the claim itself and the world and the technology and like just run it through and think about what's likely to happen because whatever actually does happen, we can be confident would seem like science fiction from, from our perspective. Mm -hmm. and, and definitely um, as it's happening as well, like in hindsight, it probably feels less like science fiction because it's normalized, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, can you imagine going to someone, you know... Uh, 50 or 100 years ago and say hey so these things that are just that we just have these like adding machines these computers they're going to get way way better and it's going to be everyone is going to have one a million times more powerful than all of the compute on earth right now in their pocket and they're all going to be able to talk to each other uh at insane speeds all the time and like or you know what maybe mm. don't give the context maybe just say Hey, in the future, basically everyone on Earth is going to have uh, access to like infinite free pornography, and then just to see see how like how likely does that sound? <laughs> that doesn't sound likely. It's it turns out it's one of the things that happened. Yeah. Um, the future is definitely going to be weird, and so like there's no way to get around just really trying to figure out what would happen. And if that, if what your best guess of what would happen is seems weird, then that's not a reason to reject it because the future always seems weird. Cool. So given that um, we've, we've kind of painted so far, the other than the kind of weirdness of the situation, we painted quite a nice view on what could happen or what is, you know, positive within this area. And, and, and you spend a lot of time thinking about these kind of terms, which I'm going to throw out because I would like to get kind of consolidation of okay. things like AI safety, AI alignment, specification problem, the control problem. And it'd be really nice if you could give me an overview kind of this area and in what way are these things uh, similar or equivalent or not at all. Right. Okay, that's actually a really, really hard problem because there is not um, really widespread agreement on all of the terms. Various people are using the same terms in different ways. Um, so broadly speaking, AI safety is like, I consider AI safety to be a very broad category that's just about like the ways in which uh, AI systems might cause problems or be dangerous and what mm. we can do to prevent or mitigate that. Um, and I would call that like by analogy, I would say some, if there was something like nuclear safety. And that runs the gamut. You've got like, if you work in a lab with nuclear material, how are you going to uh, be safe and like just avoid getting long-term radiation 
poisoning, a la mm. like mercury. Um, but then you have things like kind of accidents that can happen, things like the Demon Corps. Um, during the Manhattan Project, they had this terrible accident that was like an extremely unsafe experiment that dumped a huge amount of radiation out very quickly and killed a lot of researchers, um, which is like a different class of thing from the like long-term exposure risks. But then you also have things like in some of the applications, like if you have a power plant, there's a risk that that could melt down. And that's like one type of risk. But there's also the problems associated with disposing of nuclear waste. And like, how does that work? And then beyond that, you have all of the questions of um, nuclear weapons. And how do, you, uh, how, do you, how do you defend against them? How do you avoid proliferation? Um, and these types of broader questions. And so like, AI safety is kind of like that, I think, in that it covers this whole range of things that includes um, your kind of everyday things, like uh, are, are we going to have like invasions of privacy? Are these things going to be um, fair from a from like a, a race, gender, um, and so on um, perspective? And and then like things like you know, is is my self driving car going to drive safely? How is it going to make its decisions? Uh, who is legally responsible? All of those kinds of questions are like kind of still under the umbrella of AI safety. Um, but the stuff that I'm most interested in mm. is well actually let me let me divide let me divide up safety into sort of four uh four quadrants along two axes right you have like near and long term and you have accident and misuse so in your 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 near term accident is going to be things like you know our self-driving cars safe or whatever your near-term misuse is like how are corporations using our data and that kind of thing. Um, and then your long-term misuse, I actually think right now is not really an issue. So when you say short-term and long-term, you could also think of that as narrow and general. Mm -hmm. um, I'm most interested in the long-term accident risk because I think that our current understanding is such that it almost doesn't matter like getting the right people to use to have AGI or like what they try and get the AGI to do. I think that currently our understanding of AGI is such that we couldn't control it anyway. And so it sort of doesn't matter. Um, just like getting powerful AGI systems to do what anyone wants them to do uh, is the main thing that I'm interested in. So that's the, that's the sub part. Uh, let's do some other terms. Mm. Um, the control problem is a slightly older term, I think, that's about if you have uh, an AGI, how do you control it, right? How do you keep it under control? And um, I don't really like that framing because it suggests that that's possible. Like, <laughs> it suggests <laughs> that if you have, if you have a superintelligence which, like, doesn't fundamentally want what humans want, that there might be some way to control it. And that feels like just a losing strategy to me. So I prefer to think of it as the alignment problem, which is how do you ensure that any system you build, its goals are aligned with your goals or mm -hmm. the goals of humanity. Um, so that then it sort of doesn't need to be controlled 
um, because it actually wants to help. And so you don't control it. You just like express your preferences to it. And mm -hmm. that's not, it's, it's like, it's only a very slight uh, shift in framing, but I think it changes the way you think about the problem. Yep. And is that because the, I've, I've done a bit of reading here and it seems intractable that one can control a system which is, well, we say super intelligent, but is vastly more intelligent than we are, given mm -hmm. we are the baseline for this kind of framing of intelligence. So um, on like a general person's intelligence, it's going to be much, much more intelligent than that. It can do things which... Um, implies that we won't actually be able to control it. And like you're saying, like it doesn't really matter who creates such a thing because they themselves won't be intelligent enough or we don't have the practical tools to con contain such a thing. Right. And like this doesn't need to be a really strong claim, actually. Like you could try and make the claim that if the thing is drastically super intelligent, then it's impossible to control it. Um, I would prefer to make the claim that if the thing is super intelligent at all, or even, even, even without needing that claim, to just say, like, this seems really hard and it would be nice to not have to try. Like, we, it's not so much we, we can be certain that we won't be able to control it, but, like, we really can't be certain that we would be able to control it. And we do want a high level of confidence for this kind of thing because the stakes are very high. Like, I wouldn't... Any approach that relies on us containing or outwitting uh, an AGI, mm. it's not guaranteed to fail, but it's so far from guaranteed to succeed that I, I don't, I'm not interested in that approach. So I, I find this quite interesting because um, there's kind of like an implicit thing going on here in all of this stuff that, imp that you, there is a, this AGI system has something that it wants to optimize and it's going to do it in a runaway sort of way. Or it has some sort of survival thing inbuilt into it. And whether that's to do with some sort of concept of consciousness or not, it doesn't really matter. But it has this drive all on its own because otherwise it would be just idle, right? It, you know, like we're kind of conflating intelligence with some sort of thing like survival or some sort of optimization problem that we've started out on. Is there kind of like some way of, uh, coalescing these sorts of ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the concept is agency, right? The, the, the thing is, if we build an agent, and this is like a common type of AI system that we build right now, um, usually we build them for playing games, mm -hmm. um, but you can have agents in all kinds of contexts. And an agent is just a thing that has a goal and it chooses its actions to uh, further that goal. Um, Simplest example of an agent, something like a thermostat, um, like it, it, calling it, like <laughs> modeling it as an agent is kind of pointless because you can just model it as a physical or electronic system and get the same understanding. But it's like the simplest thing where the idea applies. You can think of a thermostat as having a goal of to have the room at a particular temperature and it has actions like turning on the heating, turning on the air conditioning, whatever. And it's trying to achieve this goal. And if you perturb that system, it will try and well, it will fight you mm. in a sense, right? Mm. If you try and make the room warmer than it should be, it will turn on the air conditioner. Um, or something that makes more sense to talk about as an agent is something like a chess AI, right? It has a goal of like, if it's playing white, it, the goal is for the black king to be in check, uh, in checkmate rather. And um, 
it chooses its actions in the form of moves on the board in order to achieve that goal, right? Yep. So a lot of problems in the real world are kind of best modeled as this type of uh, this type of problem that you just you have an agent, you have a goal in the world, some some utility function or some something like that, um, that you're choosing your actions, which is like maybe sending packets across a network or sending motor controls to some form of actuator, whatever, and you're choosing which actions to send in order to achieve a particular goal. And like once you have that framework in place which is the dominant framework for thinking about this kind of thing right now. Um, well, you then have a lot of, yeah, you have a lot of problems. Uh, mostly being that you have to get the right goal, right? This is the alignment thing. Mm. You have to make sure that the thing it's trying to achieve is the thing that you want it to achieve, because if it's smarter than you, it's probably going to achieve it. Yeah, so you have to be very, very sure that that uh, goal is, is well specified, and that's part of this kind of specification thing or whether that is even possible you know is it even possible to say a well-formed goal which doesn't have the potential to be you know manipulated or or kind of interpreted in different ways um yeah yeah the thing is it's like what's the um it's more it's that this is the specification problem Mm. right um it's not so much that the goal is going to be uh manipulated as that the thing you said is not the thing you meant. Um, that anything that we know how to specify really well is something which, if actually maximized, would not be what we want. Um, and you know, you, you can take your really obvious things like human happiness. Maybe we could specify human happiness, but like the world in which humans are the most happy is probably not actually the world that we want. Um, because, you know, plausibly that looks like us all hooked up to, um, like a heroin drip or like, uh, some kind of experience machine that's hooking up direct into our brains, giving us the maximally happy, you know, uh, experience or something like Mm. that, right? Like you take an ordinary, you take something which is like locally a good thing to optimize for, but once you optimize hard for that, you end up somewhere you don't want to be. This is a variation on Goodhart's law that when a measure becomes a target, it stops being a good measure. Mm -hmm. It's like that taken to the extremes. Um, So given all this stuff, is there there a sense that there is a um, winning direction? Or uh, (laughs) is there something that is kind of like, this is the best option for alignment at the moment? Um, The way that we can, if we had an AGI, um, here today that we would probably try first? Uh, yeah, there are a few different approaches. And uh, nothing right now is um, ready, I wouldn't say, but there are some very promising ideas. So first off, mm. almost everyone has agreed that like putting the goal in and then hitting go is like not a winning strategy. You need... Uh, Firstly, because the human values are very complicated, anything that you could simply specify is probably not going to capture the complexity and variety of what humans care about. And usually the way that we do that in machine learning, when we have like a complex fuzzy thing that we don't know how to specify, is we learn that thing from mm. data. So that's, um, that's one thing, like value learning, effectively. How do you get an AI system that learns 
what humans care about. This is hard because value, uh, like we have these various approaches for learning what an agent cares about, but they tend to make fairly strong assumptions about the agent. Like you could, um, you observe what the agent does and then you say, well, uh, what does it look like they were trying to do? What were they trying to achieve when they were doing all this? Um, and this works best when the agent is rational, because then you can just say, well, uh, suppose, suppose a person mm. were trying to achieve this, what would they do? And then, well, did they do that? Um, whereas humans have this problem where we like sometimes make mistakes. We sometimes choose actions which aren't the best action for our goals. And so then you have this problem of separating out like, does this person really value, like, doing this weird trick where they fly off the bike and land on their face? Or were they not trying to do that? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Is, is, there, so there, yeah. is there, like, a, a sorry to interject, is there, like, a, a category of things where this isn't the case? So if if we if we worked on problems which weren't, um, like, innately human, so if you were, the goal was set to understand the weather patterns enough this is already getting badly described but um your goal okay rob 3000 is to okay. um predict the the weather for accurately uh tomorrow go and you you would have that would be the thing to optimize for um that seems to me like something that doesn't actually have so much human involvement in there or is that going to trickle in somehow yeah. anyway but also that feels like it doesn't uh like you can do that very well with a narrow system mm. you don't really need agi for that task uh and if you set agi that task then um well that's apocalyptic probably in a few different ways um firstly because you can do that job better if you have more sensors and so any square inch of the planet that isn't sensors is kind of a waste from that agent's perspective if that's its only goal. Mm -hmm. Secondly, humans are very unpredictable. So if it's optimizing in a more long-term way, if it's myopic and it's only trying to do tomorrow at any given time, you might be okay. But if it cares about its long-term aggregate, aggregated rewards, mm -hmm. then um, making the weather more predictable becomes something that it wants to do. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And that's not good for us either. Um, so I feel like that leads into kind of these other ideas I was going to ask about. Um, if you'd seen the Human Compatible um, mm. by um, the eminent Dr. Stuart Russell, and he has this idea about ambiguity, right? So you don't necessarily have optimized the weather. No, not optimized the weather, but tell me what the weather's going to be like tomorrow. But don't. Uh, harm humans and also don't you know it doesn't have this hierarchy of things to fulfill it has this kind of ambiguity towards a, a given goal which it's constantly checking for so it's it's the feedback is um never going to get 100 percent accurate and it's always going to need to ask questions and like you were saying it's going to um it's constantly kind of have to reaffirm its model of the world and with humans in it essentially i guess um what are the yeah. things that humans want to do yeah so this is uh this is like a much more promising family of approaches where you don't try and just learn uh you don't just learn up front 
Oh, right. The, the first thing that doesn't work is specifying the goal up front, right? So then, okay, maybe we can learn it. Maybe we can look at a bunch of human, human data and then learn what the goal should be and then go. Um, and that also has problems because even if you, it's kind of brittle, if you get it slightly wrong, um, uh, you can have giant problems. And also you have a huge distribution shift problem where um, if you, you train the system on everything you know about humans right now, and then you have a world with an AGI in it, mm. and that's like quite a different world. The world starts changing. And so then you have this classic problem that you always have in machine learning when the deployment distribution is different from the training distribution. So no. some kind of online thing seems necessary where the system is continually learning from humans uh, what it should be doing. Um, and yeah, so there, there's a whole bunch of approaches in this like category. And yeah, having, having the system start off completely uncertain what its goal should be, uh, but just knowing that its goal is in the minds of the humans and is uh and that the actions of the humans are information uh are, are data that gives it information about its actual goal mm. um seems fairly promising yeah cool i like it um i felt like when i was reading that it had this um really great bit which was um Oh, and I'm sure it will be all kind of ethical. We'll just work that bit out. There's like, because <laughs> obviously this is you know, the stuff that I care about. It, the, the the fact that these things are uncertain doesn't imply that it will be, um, you know, a ethical AI or AGI, you know, because obviously you're learning from people and people can be a spectrum of, have a spectrum of values and they, and they can do stupid things that um you know hurt people or put people at disadvantage so i think it's um, when i was looking at that specific example it's interesting that it is sort of solves this runaway kind of um optimization issue but it doesn't necessarily solve that the the agent will actually do stuff which is in people's general benefit but it might do stuff which is in a person's general like benefit possibly yeah. you know there's these other issues i guess that come up yeah totally so this is like a this is um a common this is like another way of splitting the question uh which is are you f uh, for the alignment problem mm -hmm. the, the general form of the alignment problem is is you have a single artificial agent and a single human agent and it's just like a straightforward principal agent problem you're trying to get the artificial agent to be aligned with the human agent. This is hard. In reality, what we have is, uh, we might have a single artificial agent trying to be aligned with a multitude of, uh, of human agents. And that's much harder. Mm -hmm. uh, you can model humanity as a whole as a single agent if you want, but then it, I mean, that kind of introduces some problems, obviously. Um, uh, and you might also have multiple artificial agents. Uh, and that depends on what you think about, uh, like, takeoff speeds and things like that, like how you model the future going. Mm -hmm. um, I assign a fairly high probability to there being, like, one artificial agent, which is so far ahead of everything else, becomes so far ahead of everything else, that it has, like, a decisive strategic advantage, and the other ones 
whatever else there is kind of doesn't matter that much. And so mm -hmm. you're really aligning one to many. Uh, but that's by no means certain. We could definitely have a situation where there are a bunch of artificial agents that are all interacting with each other as well as with humanity. And then the whole thing gets much more complicated. Mm -hmm. The reason that I am most interested in focusing on the one-to-one -one case is because I consider it not solved. And I think it might be strictly more, diff uh, it might be strictly easier. So like, I, I, I find it hard to imagine, and I don't know, mm -hmm. I mean like, let's not be limited by my imagination, but I find it hard to imagine uh, a situation where we can solve one-to-many without having first solved one-to-one. -one. If you can't figure out the values of a human in the room with you, then you probably can't figure out the values of humanity as a whole. Probably. Mm -hmm. That just feels like a more a harder problem. So I'm more, I'm, it's not like I'm aware that solving this problem doesn't solve the whole thing, but I think it's like a necessary first step. Yeah, you're not skulking away from the uh, the bigger issues here, Rob. Come on, you just sort it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's um, <sighs> there's no reason to expect it to be easy, right? No, no, definitely not. And I, th I don't think, I mean, there's a lot of um, stuff in this area where there isn't necessarily consensus, and it's still very much a absolutely burgeoning area where there, I think someone said that there's just simply not enough people in working in this area at the moment. Um, yes. The, the density, like the area of space, if you look at, if you look at something like uh, computer vision or something like that, you look at one researcher in computer vision and what they're working on, and it's a tiny area of the space, right? And they are the world expert on like this type of algorithm applied to this type of problem. Um, or like this type of tweak or optimization to this type of algorithm on this type of problem. Um, whereas what we have in AI safety is researchers who have these like giant swathes of, of area to think about because yeah, mm. there, there are not enough people and like there aren't even enough, like AI safety as a research field or AI alignment is divided up into these various sort of camps and approaches. And a lot of these approaches are entire fields that have like two people in them, you know? Yeah. Uh, because it's just like the person who first thought up this idea and then somebody else who's like, has an has a interesting criticism of it and they're debating with each other or something like that. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the thing. And in, um, in five, 10 years, that's gonna be a field full of people because there's easily enough work to do there. It's really is like a, a wide opening uh, frontier of research. Um, awesome. So if you're interested in doing... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the plug. Um... No, if you uh, genuinely, if you want to make a difference in AI research, uh, you want to have a big impact, both in terms of like academically, but like if you want to make a big impact on the world, uh, this is uh, this is like probably the... If I, I, yeah, I don't know what, what even is second place. Anti-aging? research maybe um but it's definitely up there as the best best thing to be working on so does consciousness and this idea of um you know the superintelligence maybe being intelligent in a way that we could ascribe consciousness to it all that the ideas that we have around consciousness may apply does that come into this equation of alignment or um the idea of the superintelligence yeah, for me, it doesn't. 
mm-hmm. um, because I kind of feel like I, I have no need of that hypothesis. Like, uh, at least in the abstract, you can model something as a utility maximizer, and then it's just like a straightforward machine. It's building this model of the world. It can use the model to make predictions. It has some evaluation utility function that it can look at possible world states and decide how much it wants those. And then it can look at its actions and make predictions about what would happen in the case of each action. And it chooses the action, which it thinks will lead it towards a world that scores highly according to its utility function. And like, at no point in this process is there any need for like internality uh, or consciousness or anything of that grander scale. It's possible that when you that like in practice when you build something which does this it ends up with that somehow mm-hmm. maybe yeah i don't know but it doesn't seem necessary it doesn't seem like a a, a critical consideration i think Mm-mm. it's not a component that is implied by whatever the outcome is of the system um yeah, yeah. and the other thing is that if we have a choice uh i think we should try to make systems that aren't conscious uh if that's an option Mm -hmm. because i would rather not have to worry about there's all kinds of problems that you have where you like you turn on the system and you uh you realize that it's not quite doing what it should and now is it ethical to turn it off and all of that kind of thing like considering that consciousness doesn't seem to be necessary for capability which is what we care about um if we can avoid it i think we actually should Mm -hmm. yeah that's really interesting um i'm just trying to think of ways that it would be advantageous to choose consciousness but i guess then we're getting into the power of kind of you know frankenstein dr frankenstein situations where you are making a decision over and above the actual reality of the situation as a need as a as a requirement so um yeah yeah there's a there's a certain amount of hubris there rob that's what that's the word i was looking for hubris well yeah i mean it's not the 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 hubris is implicit in the overall project Mm. right you're trying to create a thing that can do what human minds can do that's uh, that's inherently hubristic, and again, I'm kind of okay with that. Seems mm-hmm. unavoidable. Um, so, um, given the the long term kind of scope of this, is there is there something that you um, is there some kind of really interesting stuff that's coming through right now? I mean, I, I've I've literally just read a paper yesterday about the halting problem. Um, and it's, it's but that's uh, because I was trying to prepare for this and, and dive into some to something somewhere, um, okay. other than your uh, brilliant videos. Um, so, is there is there anything else that you want to really kind of bring to the fore about what is exciting you in this area at the moment? Um, I mean, there's all of these approaches that we didn't talk about. That like I feel like you had a question that was about this that we didn't actually get into, mm. where we could talk about. Uh, but there's too many of them and I don't want to go into detail about them because, um, well, I probably would get it wrong, uh, cause I haven't actually like, um, I haven't read the papers about this recently. 
Um, but <sighs> you talked about Stuart Russell stuff, but the stuff that's happening at OpenAI is interesting as well. Um, things about AI safety via debate, things about iterated amplification are really interesting. And the stuff at DeepMind like uh, recursive reward modeling and that kind of thing, which I'm going to have a video about, hopefully, sometime mm -hmm. soon. Um, but these are, these are kind of people thinking about how we can take the types of machine learning stuff we have now and build AGI from it in a way which is safe. Uh, because people are thinking quite strategically about this. Um, the thing is, it's no good coming up with something that's safe if it's not competitive, right? Mm. If, you, if you come up with some system that's like, oh yeah, this is, we could build an AGI this way and it would almost certainly be safe, but it's going to require twice as much compute power as uh, doing approximately the same thing but without the safety component. You can't, it's very difficult to be confident that nobody else is going to just do the unsafe thing first. So like fundamentally as a field, it's kind of difficult. We have to solve, we have to, we have to tackle this. Uh, what am I saying? Like as a field, it's pretty difficult. We have to solve this on hard mode before anybody else solves it on easy mode. Um, so so yeah, so people are looking at trying to be the first people to create AGI and having that be safe mm -hmm. as, like a, as like a joined problem. Um, and, that, and those types of things seem pretty promising to me. Mm. And, it, and it's, a, a, it's a solving the problem of, um, like you're saying, someone else creating it, which isn't safe, right? So you're trying to right. get there before they get there with the, the more correct option or you know, right. a better aligned option. Yeah, yeah. So there's, that's uh, another thing that's like, if you're not, uh, if you're not like technically minded, if you're not well placed to do technical research, uh, there's a lot of interesting work to be done on governance and policy as well. And that like AI governance and AI policy are also really interesting areas of, of research. Uh, which is like, how do you, practically speaking, how do you steer the world into a place where it's actually possible for these technical solutions to be found and to be the thing that ends up actually being implemented in practice? Um, how do you shape the incentives, the regulations, uh, the, the like agreements between companies, between countries? Mm. How do we how do we avoid this situation where we all know that whoever makes AGI first controls the world, or we think we know that. And so then everybody's just going as fast as they possibly can in, you know, you end up with like an arms race, like a space race type situation uh, in which people are obviously going to be neglecting safety because safety slows you down. And then you end up with nobody winning. Uh, how do you get people to understand this is like a much broader thing. Mm -hmm. How do you get people to understand that there are positive sum games that like zero sum games are actually pretty rare and that it's so, so much better to get like 1% of a post-singularity utopia 
perfect world mm. than 100% of an apocalypse. Like, th that we have so, so much to gain through cooperation. So, like, unimaginably vast amounts of value to be gained through cooperation. And, like, a really good chance of losing everything through not cooperating mm -hmm. or like a bunch of outcomes that are like dramatically worse than losing everything are actually in play if we screw this up and just getting people to like can we can we just slow down and be careful and do this right because like this is really a uh we are kind of at the hinge of history this is the point where like this next century is where we win or we blow it completely, right? I don't see an end to this century that looks approximately like what we have now, right? Mm. This is the point. This is, this is for all the marbles. And like, can we pay attention, please? Yeah. And I think that argument can almost be applied to lots of different areas, right? Like the environment, biodiversity, um, maybe ideas around poverty and um, uh, equality and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, and this is like, you want to talk about hubris. Uh, like, I would be a lot more concerned about um, things like climate change. Like, if, if AI weren't, if I didn't know the things that I know about AI, I probably would be focusing on climate change. Um, but climate change is fundamentally not that hard a problem if you have a superintelligence, right? Like, if you if you have a system that's uh, that's able to figure out everything that we, you know, mm, if you have yeah. this kind of sci-fi situation, then just being like, oh, the balance of gases in the atmosphere is not how we want it, mm -hmm. you know, yep. and the things figured out like molecular nanotechnology or something, then potentially that problem is is like just one that we can straightforwardly solve. Yeah, um, you just need something for pulling out a bunch of CO two from the atmosphere and like whatever else you need. I don't know. I'm not uh, not a climate scientist, but like. The, the, and, and likewise poverty, right? If, mm -hmm. if you get something which is aligned and aligned with humanity, not aligned with like whoever happens to be running it, mm -hmm. um, then I don't anticipate poverty. Possibly there would be inequality, right? In that some people would be like drastically, drastically richer than the richest people today. And some other people would be like five drastically richer than the people today. But like, you know, uh, I, I'm I'm not as concerned with inequality as I'm concerned with poverty. I think it's more important that everybody has what they need than that everybody's the same. That's a personal political uh, position. Mm -hmm. But um, and again, it's that kind of thing, right? Like, if the problem is resources, if the problem is wealth, then solving intelligence, uh, it's not like a open and shut thing. But like, you're in such a better position for solving these really hard problems if you have AGI on your side. And so that's why I kind of, with my choices in my career, at least I'm putting my eggs in that basket. I don't think that everyone should do that. Uh, I'm glad that there are people working on the more sort of uh, the things we can be more confident will definitely actually pay off. Mm -hmm. But um, I do see AGI as kind of a Hail Mary um, that we could, we could potentially pull off and it's totally worth pushing for. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where we are confident now that things are going badly, so we should sort that out. But with the AGI stuff, it could go really well, but 
we shouldn't die before we get there, right? <laughs> you know, we, we should probably sustain and be good to the world before we fuck it all up and then we haven't got this opportunity to then go on to do these other, um, you know, Absolutely. solutions. Yeah, I don't advocate neglecting these problems because AGI is just going to fix yeah. it at some point in the future, you know, uh, all or nothing. Um, but it does, like, there is an argument that working on this stuff is actually a reasonably like there's there's a there's a there's a line through which solving this solves those problems as well mm -hmm. and that increases the value of this area i think yeah um so the last question we ask on the podcast is to do with what really excites you and what really scares you about this kind of technologically advanced autonomous future but i guess we kind of spoke about this apocalypse and possible not necessarily utopia but um you know being able to leverage utopia. yeah relatively yeah. utopia so uh, does that cover it or are there other things that um strike you um <laughs> yeah it's a funny question isn't it it's like apart from the biggest possible negative thing and the biggest mm -hmm. possible positive thing uh what um how do you feel about this? Yeah, no, I think it covers it. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I thought that might be the case. Um, I just thought I'd, I'd give you the opportunity anyway. Yeah, no, totally, yeah. totally. Um, so <laughs> thank you so much for your time, Rob. Um, I feel thank like you. it's one of those things that we could definitely mull this over for the rest of the day. And um, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna let you go now. But um, okay. could you let people know how they can follow you, um, find your stuff and... Um, get hold of you and that sort of thing yeah uh so i am i'm robert sk miles on most things uh you know twitter reddit gmail whatever uh that's sk um and the main thing is the youtube channel i guess which is rob miles ai um i also make videos for the computer file channel which is computer file with a ph like a person who loves computers mm. um and if you're interested in the technical side, like if you're if you're a researcher, uh, particularly not necessarily a safety researcher, but if you're interested in uh, machine learning or just have any kind of computer science background, really, um, I would really recommend the Alignment Newsletter podcast, which um, or just get the Alignment Newsletter in your email inbox. But if you prefer listening to audio, which you might on account of how you currently are. Um, yeah, Alignment Newsletter Podcast. It's a weekly podcast about uh, the latest research in AI alignment. Um, and I think that's it for me. Cool. Well, thank you again so much. And um, I'm gonna, I'm definitely going to have to have yourself or someone else back so that we can mull over some of this again. But um, really, really interesting, exciting. So thank you. Nice. Thank you. Hi, and welcome to the end of the podcast. Thanks again to Rob. He's someone I've been following for a couple of years now, his stuff on Computerfile and also his own output. So it's really amazing that I get to talk to people like Rob and other people I've talked to in the past on the, on the Machine Ethics podcast about um, some of these uh, questions that have just been itching inside of me to ask uh, as I've been watching their work or reading their work. So it's really fantastic I was able to get hold of Rob. One of the things in our conversation is that I wasn't quite as uh, determined or as certain as Rob was with achieving AGI, but I admire his devotion to the fact that, you know, if we do, then we should probably do it with good outcomes. 
This podcast was kind of a continuation from our interview with Rohin Shah. So if you want to listen to more in this vein, then go and check out that episode and find more episodes on the podcast. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.